Welcome to the Get Over Yourself podcast. This is Brad Kearns. Talk about uninformed doctors because 60% of people are undiagnosed with hypothyroidism. 200 million people worldwide have it. Why does someone survive breast cancer and go, that was the best thing that ever happened to me? Because through that pain, through that awful tragedy, they find out who their friends are. They connect with loved ones. Hi, listeners. I'm so happy to introduce this podcast that I did with my longtime Primal Blueprint co-worker, L. Russ, and what an amazing journey she has been on in recent years. Uh, she's been around for a long time, the primal scene. She was doing personal assistant work for the Sissons in between her acting endeavors and house-sitting endeavors for famous Hollywood celebrities. We've done a few cool podcasts at her house-sitting gig of the week, and that was kind of fun to meet her in this place or that place. So uh, she's been bouncing around, but then she really got focused and went into uh, deep, deep, deep into this book project where she wanted to tell the story of how she healed her thyroid naturally and with alternative uh, health practices and alternative strategies uh, from wonderful doctors that she finally discovered after this disastrous journey through the mainstream medical machine that made her sick and worse and struggling and suffering and just trying to become a healthy person uh, to no avail. And then she took matters into her own hands. And it's a very powerful, compelling story that she tells very well in this book, The Paleo Thyroid Solution. But her completing this project and Primal Blueprint Publishing publishing the book was sort of the beginning of her rise into becoming a prominent health figure. She gave a standing room only talk this year at Paleo FX, the world's most prominent primal paleo health conference, talking about her thyroid. And she did other things like serve on the keto panel and was just all over the place, just making connections and putting smiles on people's faces because of her high energy and enthusiastic approach where she wants to help people. She also transitioned into her current role as the the queen bee, the hostess of the Primal Blueprint podcast, and she's putting her incredible acting and performance skills into play as she does a wonderful job hosting and getting some very prominent guests on there and recording these wonderful shows. So this recording is kind of host meets the host. We've done a couple like that where we just get into it. And I think the shows with her are some of the fastest moving podcasts you'll ever get. She's a very high energy, quick thinking person. And this was cool. And this is what I love about podcasts as I went over to her secret, top secret crib uh, in the Malibu mountains where she hangs and uh, actually turned it into an incredible recording studio for her video course, her upcoming video course, and also all the recording that she does. And when you get to visit with someone, uh, we have a great relationship already, but and we go back a long way, but there's something special about just turning on the microphone and getting into it and talking and seeing where the conversation goes. And in this particular show, wow, it was a huge surprise when Elle revealed something that she's never really revealed to the public before about a debilitating chronic illness that really changed her life and kind of shaped her path 
to where she is today. And it was really heavy and it was really touching the way she opened up and revealed and has that desire to help others. So I really want you to enjoy this show and listen carefully because there's some profound insights and a very powerful message that Elle delivers about cultivating that positive attitude, that glass is half full perspective and realizing that everything that happens to you in one way, shape or form is truly a gift. Wow, amazing recording with Elle Russ. Enjoy it. L. Russ, thank you for joining me on another podcast. We've had this tag team operation for the Primal Blueprint podcast where you interview me, I interview you about your book, and they seem to be the highest rated shows and the most critically acclaimed. So I thought, (laughs) who do I want to get more than anybody else to be on Get Over Yourself, the person who's walking her talk and has had this amazing journey that I want to to go back and, and, and see how you got here. But generally right now, talk to you about what's happening because a few years ago, you were doing personal assistant work for the Sissons, booking their airline flights, whether they want a window or aisle. And all of a sudden now you're- uh, you know, uh, Mark's you're, definitely an aisle person. <laughs> just so you know, listeners. <laughs> yeah. uh, but now you're a health personality. You're rocking it at Paleo FX. You're giving a fantastic talks. The best-selling book is out there, Paleo Thyroid Solution. And also you took over the Primal Blueprint podcast and, and basically made it your own and brought it to the next level. So how's everything going? Wow, man. So happy to be here. Honestly, like working with you and Mark, so much fun. I love doing these podcasts. Um, You know, uh, I just feel really lucky to have worked with Mark at the time. He had just started a publishing company. So that was, what, six, seven years ago, or he was just just brewing it. I remember because he- Ten, maybe, nine or ten. Really? I know, time flies. Oh, man, yeah. And so to be able to have been mentored by him and reach that level where, you know, not only has his work affected my own health and my life, but then be able to help other people and find the answer with the thyroid stuff. And um, what more can I say other than I feel so grateful to help other people stop suffering from what I suffered from and had to figure out. So I just, to be able to make people's shitty health journey from A to Z a lot shorter, you know, by the, by the grace of Mark Sisson and Brad Kearns, you know, publishing uh, my book. So, yeah. Well, you thanks, Playa. You had to go through <laughs> the official channels. I remember you were I saying an official. I remember I wrote in a real official book proposal. Like, yeah. didn't even need to, and I did it anyway. Yeah, that's right. Well, so many people in the, especially in the uh, progressive health community, Primal Paleo, have a story of transformation. They send their pictures in to Mark's Daily Apple, get published on the success story thing, uh, but. You you did uh, numerous other things that kind of shot you to the top, and I, I want to know about some of this because you have that background experience in Hollywood, doing the the professional work, the acting, and it seemed like you were this you know perfectly suited package to be a spokesperson, to be that author. You had to write a book, which is really tough, and um, but you know, a lot of people write books, they don't sell, and they go back to their everyday life. But you know you've really made this into a career and made that turn in your life, so. Uh, besides uh, writing the proposal, then what happened? How did it go after that? Well, you know, then I remember it wasn't just the proposal, I think. Oh, no, it was within the proposal was not only the professional marketing analysis, which is what I probably didn't have to do, but I went to a full length on. But uh, it was, you know, like I think a couple of sample chapters. There was at least 50 pages involved in kind of pitching that initial thing. Um but what people don't realize is, so first of all, yeah, your 10 years of sketch comedy and improv, um, of course, 
going driving into Hollywood and getting up on stage and not knowing what's going to happen is a pretty frightening thing and a lot of fun. Um, but it's certainly all of that live performance prepared me to be a public speaker in any kind of way. I mean, I already was anyway, but ah, there's no fear of that. There's nothing more fearful of doing an improv show. Um, so when you know the subject you're going to speak about, there's nothing, you know, and that's why I say if anyone's really interested in becoming a public speaker or an actor of any kind, even if it's a dramatic actor, go take some improv classes. It's really important to fail, feel embarrassed and weird. And the whole process is awkward at first, you know, but it's important to kind of, and it's a safe environment to fail and be awkward. Most improv, you know, improv teachers provide that. That's kind of rule number one is, you know, I failed. Yes. Cause a lot of times people are trying to be funny and there's rules of improv and you're learning the ways, but there's nothing more awkward and weird than kind of putting oneself out there and be like, I think I'm funny. I want to do improv. It's a weird thing to kind of admit about oneself and go forward. So I just say, get into the awkwardness of it because after that, nothing is weird. You know what I mean? Nothing's awkward after trying to go do an improv class, even if you don't want to get into comedy. It's just, it's awkward to be put on the spot and have to come up with some stuff, you know? Honestly, I can't imagine. I'm a goofball. I've been comfortable doing crazy stuff my whole life, but I've never been out there on stage. And it just seems like a whole nother level of just having to, you know, let go of yourself and, and get up there, especially improv. And they also talk about the, uh, the stand-up comics, that that's the, you know, the highest level of sophistication of entertainment, that it's so difficult and you never know if you're going to kill it with an audience, even with your great material that you, you got laughs the previous night. And then, interestingly, you see many of the stand-up comics have become leading actors of Hollywood. Steve Martin, and the, the list goes on and on. Jim Carrey, who... Tom Hanks. You know, Tom Hanks. I mean, dramatic acclaim for just being the, the highest level of acting. But they came from, you know, someday from an open mic night where they got up there with some note cards. Well, it's funny you said that, because in Hollywood, it's a thing among casting directors and in general, where the general kind of rule of thumb is, if you can do comedy, you can do it all. But not so with the other. So, for example... I can do Shakespeare, but I don't do comedy. Okay, next, please. Yeah, and comedy really sells in this town, um, even if you're not being hired for comedy. But they just feel like it's a harder skill to master so that if you can master that. So, for example, in Los Angeles, there's things called casting director workshops where essentially it's kind of a class. You pay, but you're getting in front of a casting director who could bring you in for a show. And... Some of these places make you audition first to even get in. They have a higher caliber of, let's say, a group of actors, right? If they're going to bring in a casting director, they might want their best 30 people, right? So sometimes they make you audition for this, and they always make you do a comedy scene first. And if you don't fail that, if you don't pass that, they won't have you back to do the dramatic scene. Every single one of those places forces you to do a comedic scene first. Um, and there's a reason for that, again, because they feel... Most people feel, right, that if you can do that, you can probably do the other, but not so the other way around. Wow. Yeah. Tra- and it's challenge. not always true. It's just kind of one of those memes, you know, it's just one of those things, yeah. So to the podcast, you once upon a time, I believe maybe came in through the guest route and you were, you were a guest on the Primal Blueprint podcast. And then uh, I think we were getting backed up and, you, had, you know, you maybe, yeah. did you pitch the idea that like, hey, should I host a show sometime? No, you did. Oh, okay. It, it was like, yeah. you, 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 you might have just came. I think we had a good to show me. together. I'm like, geez, girl, just take you it. You're like, you know? hey, can you take a couple? We're getting busy or whatever. Da, da, da. Oh, it was when you were talking about your book and I went down to get some lunch and just, just, <laughs> just turn you loose for seven minutes. <laughs> I'm like, you go, you go. I'm going to go have some, see what's in the system refrigerator. I was not expecting that. Um, I, I, nor did I plan on it, but it was so funny because I so excited and love doing it. And it's so much fun. So the opportunity, the fact that you guys even 
offered it and, you know, he got busy enough and you got busy enough to not do it was, was a blessing for me because it's really, really been fun. Any chance I can to use my voice is really, really, really important. So, What's it like? I mean, th- there's being a guest on a podcast, which I think is easier to imagine. Someone wrote a book, they know what they're talking about, their level of expertise. Or if you got anyone on and said, tell me about your high school years, and they would start talking and have a, a very comfortable uh, exchange. But when you're in that other role and you're trying to seek out the right guests and connect with them in advance, how does that all work for you? You know, I think you've had the experience where sometimes it's like pulling teeth when you're talking to someone. <laughs> so you have, a, you have a spectrum of guests. There's, there's now a, we're getting into it. Somewhere on the spectrum. Um, and then there are some where you can just fully improvise the whole thing because you know they can go with it. There are others where you really have a lot planned out ahead of time, not necessarily what you say, but the flow, I guess, of which questions and topics you'll ask. Um, it's so much fun, though, to learn in that way. And I think I try to do my best if I can. It, you know, it's, it's a topic we've covered a bunch of times, and it's sort of the same old, same old. But in general, I try to get to something different than what we've already talked about. You know, some kind of different level or deeper, deeper level, especially the people that have been interviewed a hundred thousand times about the same subject, right? Right. I mean, you go put it, put your search button on on your podcast app, and you bring up the person's name, and they've talked about their book fourteen times, yeah, including perhaps uh, three hours on Joe Rogan. So you're not going to get any deeper than uh, <laughs> right. a three hour conversation. Yeah. Uh, so that's the challenge to me is like trying to figure out another angle. And I think you know, compared to mainstream media, where you see an author, let's say you were on the Today Show. Unfortunately, you're you're almost there, but maybe next year you'll get on for your book Paleothyroid Solution, yeah. and they'll say, "Tell us about it," and you'll have four to six minutes to give the whole spiel, but then we can go look at you on a podcast and you, you talk for an hour in depth about it and it has so much more rich experience. So I think we still have so much potential to, even with the same guests, and that's why you're going to be on again and again. But right now, I, I like how you bring up that disparity in what, what, a, uh, what a show's all about. And boy, when those, when those pulling teeth episodes come out, mm. I, like, I get nervous when <laughs> people aren't talking enough. Like even in daily life, like in a, in yeah. a social setting where I'm, in, I'm engaged with whatever, you're talking to three people and they're not talking enough, I start to get silly on them. <laughs> so it's kind of fun to have a live wire where you can just turn on and when I wait, go, go down and eat my lunch and then you're, you're, you're back to uh, your paleo story. Yeah, I mean, you know, who wants to have like even a conversation in a social situation where every time you've asked a question, the only answer you get is basically like affirmative or negative, right? Like, yeah, no. And you're like, all right, well, this is going to be a long one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Give me something, buddy. Yeah. yeah. Or, or I'm going to wind myself up. So watch out. I'll give you the, I'll give you the spiel. Man. I'll give you the whole conversation. Right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do it for both of us. Uh, so what's some of your favorite shows and guests that you can uh, remember off your head? I know you got Gary Forsman on there several times. Tell me about him and your relationship uh, with this, this doctor that was uh, out there on the cutting edge of thyroid stuff and helped you tremendously. Uh, yeah, no, Dr. Forsman's an amazing doctor, a functional MD, and really just uh, spans sort of all, the whole trifecta of wellness, you know, mind, body, you know, supplementation, meditation. All, he's just, he's well-versed in all these practices, so he's extremely open-minded. And, you know, I had been my own doctor, so it was nice to finally find a doctor who kind of agreed and understood what I did and was willing to help me. And then he really changed my life. And then, you know, Dr. Ken Berry is another really great doctor we've had on the show many times from Tennessee, uh, rural Tennessee. And he's real great. No shit explaining, uh, keto and carnivore and paleoprimal and all that stuff. Um, I have to say though, Bethany Hamilton, 
talking with her, it's not necessarily like that the interview itself is something that I'll listen to over and over again or that I'm riveted by. It's that I'm so grateful to even be at the platform where I can interview her because Soul Surfer is one of my favorite movies. Um, and I, her inspiration and what she represents and what she's done with her life since just, uh, just makes me, you know, and I just, I challenge anyone, if you're having a rough day, uh, watch Soul Surfer. Okay. Because if you have your arms, all right, you know, it is not that I watch it just cause I'm like, Oh, I need to see someone lose their arm today. So I feel better about myself. It's not, that's not that crass, but there is something to be said for, Oh my gosh, I have it so good. And I had, you know, someone always has it a step level than you. And there's probably nothing more horrific than having a shark bite off your effing arm. Okay. And her triumph and what she's been able to do for the world as a result of that, which she might not have been able to do even if she didn't have her arm cut off is kind of amazing. So, um, looking at her life over all these years and then being able to interview her, I really like that. Also same with Gabrielle Reese, who I think is a total badass alpha female, awesome athlete. Oh, her book, my foot is too big for the glass slipper. I think it was called. (laughs) And she narrated her herself. It was so good. Yeah. We've had the opportunity to engage with her personally hanging out in Malibu and, uh, her and Laird, boy, those guys are a power couple and just such interesting people. But, uh, I just, I just pulled the trigger on her book, even though it seems like kind of a chick book and it was fantastic. With insights about parenting, relationships, her athletic uh, journey, where you know she's just so vulnerable and telling the people how she felt to be a six foot three inch uh, ninth grader, and you know sticking out in the crowd and having to turn that into uh, you know the passion and the competitive intensity where she's totally comfortable with herself. Great guest, great show, and Bethany Hamilton. I mean, this—you probably know now that the, the, the movie Soul Surfer in the book. She was the young lady that was attacked by a shark. It made global news when it happened. But I believe she was, she was a teenager, yeah. thirteen years old, and she was a real top-level surfer out there in uh, Kauai. I think was her island, right? And, and yep. a competitive young lady, and then just had this whole life turn around. And I think that point's really important. And I think about this a lot, where. We always have something to be grateful for. We look on the bright side, and I'm, I'm trying to be that glass is half full guy, and I've been doing that my whole life, especially when I struggle or suffer, and I can get up the next day and say, well, you know, at least I didn't crash and knock all my teeth out. I might have got my ass kicked in the race, but here I am today, and I'm, I'm okay, and I can try again. But uh, I think that in those times when we're struggling and suffering in life, uh, it might be the most difficult time to have this come from this space of gratitude and say, at least I don't have uh, a shark biting my arm off. So how do you deal with that sort of uh, dichotomy there? I feel like it's a, it's, um, you know, it's an interesting thing. And I'll tell you why Bethany Hamilton, uh, her story means so much to me. It's because when I was 23, 22, 23, I was working in the corporate world in San Francisco and I was making six figures and I was killing it. I mean, nobody my age was, you know, rolling in that dough right out of college. And um, I was the seventh person hired at a company. I was promoted every couple of months. I was killing it. Um, I'm there like a couple of years. And then my next promote, the company's exploding now. And we're, you know, this is like Y2K days. You know, there's so much work going on. And then um, I'm about to get promoted to a job where I'm going to be making a quarter of a million dollars a year. And I'm like 23 years old. And I'm like, oh, and I can just see my whole life ahead of me. I'm like, oh, there's going to be like, whatever, five Porsches in the driveway. I'm going to have three homes. Like, I'm going to be so fully retired by the time I'm 40. Forget about it. Like, this is going to be great. And then one day my arms stopped working. 
Just like that, huh? Like literally. Speaking of, was that your transition from Bethany Hamilton, Hamilton yeah. to, to Elle's arm stops working? To Elle's arm stops working. So um, I literally stopped working. I couldn't wipe myself. I couldn't um, hold a fork in my hand. Just one arm. No, both arms, um, all oh, the way Jesus. from my hands and my shoulders. I had chronic tendonitis. It was so severe. I had to ice my arms several times a day. My arms were extremely inflamed. Um, but I was making so much money for the company. They had to, to kind of keep me around because of my voice of talking to people. I was hiring and you know, uh, account managing people in these big projects for Fortune 500 companies. And literally, my arm stopped working, and I'm 23. And you know, I'm just dumb and young, and I'm thinking, oh, well, I guess I'll just go to the doctor. They'll give me some, like, this will get fixed, right? Like, right? Wrong. Um, so what happened was, is it got so bad that at one point, you know, I had to leave the job. They had to put me on workman's comp. I was rated at 40% disability, California court system. So now I'm 23 and now all my prospects for any job you could ever imagine in the world are gone because what job can you not use your hands eight hours a day for? Name one, just name one other than public speaker, actor, voiceover, (sighs) radio host, you can't. You can't be. I can't work at Starbucks. I can't bartend. I can't, can't type. No, I can. I use a lot of. I've been using voice dictation since 1998. I can type, but I can only do it a couple hours a day. Like I just couldn't be in a desk job, classic. But I also couldn't be in any kind of repetitive injury. So it's just like an athlete who gets throws the ball. You know, the pitcher, and then he's out for a year, and then he's back. And then so it's a repetitive strain injury. And at the time, um, it just got so severe, and the doctors were like, "Listen, you know, you're you're." you're going to have this for the rest of your life, and you're never... What was the diagnosis? Um, chronic tenosynovitis, tendonitis, yeah. So then I went on a journey of, again, like, oh, this is the first health thing. So when I got hit with hypothyroidism later, I was like, you got to be effing kidding me, right? So then this happened, and so luckily we had an insurance policy, thank God, uh, with my company. I was able to make basically a preschool teacher salary, but, but be able to live and then heal. And so right after that, like the moment I got disabled, I mean, you have no idea what it's like to sit there and go, I I don't even know if I'm ever going to be able to hold a cup again. Like I will start crying now thinking about the thoughts I had, like what guy's going to ever want me? How am I ever going to have kids? Part of the reason why I haven't I know all that it takes. I can't hold a baby in my arms for more than 20 minutes. Do you know what I mean? So yes, can I go play a game of tennis with you or some ping pong or go paddling? Sure. Can I do it every day? No. Am I going to be on the tennis circuit? Absolutely not. Can I go throw a game of pickup ball on horse with you? Yeah. I could be a normal person. I just can't do those things regularly. So for me to then pursue right away, I was like, what am I going to do? I got to use my voice. I got nothing else. I got huh. nothing else. So I went right back to Chicago, went to the second city, immediately got my voiceover demo done. I was like, I got to go some direction here. Now, it turned out that all that stuff lined up with my childhood dreams anyway. I just thought it was a bullshit, ridiculous thing to pursue, and there was no way I was going to do it because I was like, no, I'm going to go for the money. See? I did. It worked. I went for the money. And then that shit got fucking injured, ruined my arms, and the universe took off the golden handcuffs, and we're like, guess not. Guess we're going back to the original. So then I had to become a broke actor. I mean, pretty, you know, making whatever, like preschool teacher's salary. Thank God I had it to survive. But at the end of the day, I then was like, oh my God, you don't understand. I mean, I was looking at a quarter of a million dollars. So then to be regulated to making like a very... Take minim- a zero minim- off minim- or yeah, what have you. a couple of them, make a minimum wagey type of thing. But again, thank God, able to not have to inflame my arms. Then I was able to get better. So a couple of years went by. 
I didn't have to go to physical therapy three times a week. And, you know, I was in physical therapy with people that had sliced their hands off. I was at the Bunky Clinic in San Francisco, which is famous for inventing microsurgery of limbs, like how to reattach limbs. So there were people from all over the place. Talk about a beginning lesson in gratitude, even though I didn't know. So here I am. My arms are inflamed, but I have them. There are people sitting next to me with a saw through their fingers. You could just tell they had a bad shop accident. Uh, there were lots of dentists and surgeons in there who were using tiny, tiny, instruments all day long with their arms in precarious, weird positions. This goes down to ergonomics, man. This goes down to standing. This goes down to what I was talking to Brock Armstrong on his Workplace Hero podcast, which is I was probably primed anyway to get that at the speed of which I was typing and moving. I was the most successful at the company. I was the youngest, most successful person there. I was on fire, type A, you know, going like a million miles an hour. And then life was ruined. So it was almost like my arms were complete. So then what do you do? Now I'm living a life where I've got this sort of hidden disability that no one can see. So then that's weird with relationships because I'm afraid people are going to reject me, you know? So that happens. Um, I didn't tell Mark until not too long ago about it myself because I just, again, I felt there's just a part of me that's like, well, if I don't have to talk about it, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to identify myself as someone who's disabled. But now that I do, and I've talked about it more openly, more and more people with hand injuries are sort of coming. So the disability of shame is really brutal. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a tough, strong type A, you know, alpha chick like me, who then now is like relegated to this life of like, oh, you're disabled. And we don't even know what that means for kids and everything else. And I know what inflammation does to the body. So I'm like, all right, well, I've got a, I, I can't be inflamed. So then I pursue this whole, you know, voice career. And so it, did it take a while? Yeah, because there's not a clean line to doing this. So honestly, eventually meeting Mark and being able to have this platform and use my voice in any way, whether that's dictating and then editing with my hands a book, or whether that's speaking or public speaking, is extra important to my life because I've got nothing else. But also, that's just what I've always sort of been hired for anyway. You know what I mean? Like the reason they kept me on the job for a year after even I got injured and hired someone to be my hands was because they... They liked the way I communicated with the people we hired. and You know what I mean? And then after a while, I was like, okay, she really is. I was a mess. And so, so sad. I cannot even tell you how awful it is to not hold your boyfriend's hand. Or I still can't sleep on my sides. I get massages a lot. Um, I take systemic enzymes. And, you know, I have flare-ups here and there. And you can feel it. I was hiking with our mutual friend Daniel the other day. And I was having a flare-up. And... Um, I, you can't see it, but I had him hold both my wrists and I had him touch it and he could feel like the lump in my wrist and I'll get cortisone shots once a year. So why do I say all this? It's because, you know, you can even overcome, right? I mean, and then Bethany lost her arm, right? See what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it means a lot to me with the arms, anything with your upper extremities. You take this for granted. Someone in a wheelchair with no legs has actually more work opportunities than I do because this world is hand-based. Mm -hmm. This is a hand-based world. Unless you're a greeter at Walmart and you're just standing there saying hello, there's really no job, not no part-time job where you don't have to repetitively use your arms and hands eight plus hours a day. So I feel so lucky. So meeting Mark Sisson means more to me than just getting the message out about the thyroid. There's a whole nother sub story back here of how much it means to my life 
and my advancement of finally, after all these years, then imagine you're making a preschool salary, but I'm still an entrepreneur. I have to invest. I got to join SAG after. There's a couple thousand. I got to go do the voiceover demo. That's seven grand. Now I got headshots, right? I mean, all these years, this shit's expensive. You're taking classes. You're, I'm trying to move up the ladder to be like, somebody hire me to just talk. I don't care if it's acting, commercial, whatever, right? So the fact that you guys offered me the podcast was just so funny to me, but so in line. And so public speaking, and that's why I also went into comedy and all of this stuff. It's, it's, I hit it at all levels, right? And, you know, I ended up writing an award-winning documentary. That's amazing. Um, I can still be a writer with technology, you know, can I work in a corporate environment? No, there's proprietary software. It doesn't work with voice recognition. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, voice recognition is not good for like handling internet searches, but it's great for dictation. And then you can always go back and tune it up. So technology plus the advent of internet radio, right, uh, is really helpful to this long journey that I've been on to try to use my voice. Bradley here had no idea this story. I know, that's so why this I busted is breaking it news. I'm like, <laughs> you're, you're making these hand gestures on a notepad. Like, let's talk about this. I'm like, I'm, I'm blown away right now, Elle. This is incredible. Yeah, and I just didn't say anything because, you know, honestly, I was, I was like embarrassed. I was embarrassed to admit I had this defect. I was, and again, you know, it's one of those things where you just, it wasn't like I'm embarrassed that I got, people are like, why are you, you, you got injured. Why are you ashamed of that? Nothing. But here's the thing. Easier said than owning that yourself and just kind of, yeah. And also, too, the bottom line is I've really learned it doesn't matter what it is. My, the whole world didn't understand why I was ever ashamed of it. But the bottom line is that I was. That's all that matters. You know what I mean? So it just Right. It let, just me, let me talk yeah. you out of it with reasoning and rationality. <laughs> no, I'm not ashamed of it we now. We wouldn't care, Elle. We'd have a writer no write the rest of your book if you were on Chapter 10. It's no, no one cares. And that's the thing. That's what I you know, found out over the years is that, and not only that, but when I, again, finally started to open up and just talk about it, people showed up that had hand injuries. And I had a really emotional podcast with Jeslyn Moyer, who it hasn't come out yet on the Primal Blueprint podcast, or maybe by the time this airs, it will, where she revealed to me, and I did not know she was going to talk about this, and she had no idea I was disabled with my hands. She had a freak accident and... um had a situation happen where basically she can't move her left hand. And she had this thought of, it's just like, it goes numb. It's, it's kind of dead. It's, it's a, it's an awful thing. And she said, I thought to myself, Oh my God, I'm ever going to feel a man put a ring on my finger. I'm so excited to introduce you to Paluva. This is a new zero drop minimalist shoe with the distinctive five toe design from my main man, Mark Sisson. Paluvas give you the most authentic barefoot style experience, but with sufficient cushioning so you can use them for all manner of daily movement, especially walking and many other fitness and athletic activities. Paluvas are also incredibly stylish, so you get a barefoot shoe that you're not embarrassed to wear around in daily life. It's been so cool to see the popularity of minimalist shoes grow over the recent years, but Paluvas are a step ahead of every other zero-drop wide-box shoe because of the critical feature of individual five-toe articulation, a separate slot for each of your toes. This allows for correct dynamic movement of the foot through the walking or running stride, which is impossible when your toes are encased into a single box, even a wide box. Well, you might know that minimalist 
minimalist shoes have faced controversy in recent years for causing injuries from inappropriate use. So here is the big picture mission. We want to get you walking in Paluvas, living in your Paluvas, going barefoot in your home or other safe areas as often as possible. Go ahead and use your specialized cushiony running shoes or your basketball shoes, work boots, high heels, things that you want to wear when you want to wear them, but wear your Paluvas as much as possible to reawaken the natural functionality of the human foot to stand, walk, run, and perform. Do you want to try a pair? I'm certain that when you put them on and walk around, you are going to quickly realize that these are the most comfortable, natural shoes that you've ever worn. They are designed to feel like you're, quote, walking barefoot on a putting green. Please visit paluva.com, that's P-E-L-U-V-A, and use the code Brad podcast and get 10% off your first pair. Paluvas, let your feet be feet. Hey, I want to tell you about Schwank Grills. This is a revolutionary portable gas infrared grill that uses the exact same heating technology as the world's best steakhouses. You heat up to 1500 degrees Fahrenheit to grill the juiciest steak you've ever tasted in as little as three minutes. Can you believe it? That's right. You do not have to go to those crowded, noisy, super overpriced steakhouses anymore when you have the same technology in your backyard. And the Schwank portable infrared grill is not just for steak. You can make chicken wings, hamburgers, seafood, lobster, vegetables. I make salmon in three minutes. They even have a pizza stone accessory. I want you to visit their very informative and mouth-watering website at schwankgrills.com. That's S-C-H-W-A-N-K. Everything you cook, faster, juicier. The speed is so important, so convenient. Uh, There's a drip tray on the bottom, so you let the juices drip down. I love the bison burger, the venison burgers. That's my game. And then you can add a mixture of butter, spices, whatever you want into the tray. Pour it back onto your meat or your salmon for a huge improvement in flavor. Are you getting hungry? I am. (laughs) Let's go to schwankgrills.com, S-C-H-W-A-N-K, grills.com, and up your home cooking game. This is a -a one-of-a-kind grill. I have a great discount code for you, of course. It's BRAD150 to save $150 off your purchase of a Schwank grill. And you know what? I just like lost it on the podcast and I had to put the microphone on mute because I, when I was in my worst injured moment of like, okay, now I'm out of work and all right, what do I do with my life now? And still inflamed and in pain, which I'm not right now. Like I live my, I live 95% pain free because I don't have to work at a computer. Like mm-hmm. I don't have to work eight hours a day on the computer. So I live pain free now, but then I used to have that thought of, Who's going to want me? Who's going to want to marry me? Who's going to want to have kids with me? I can't clean, cook, take. I can't dress kids. I mean, by the time I get them out the door, my arms are going to be inflamed. You know, and you think about that stuff, it starts to prevent you, right? Or it keeps you from certain things or it can it can screw up certain relationships. So, for example, all of my friends and the people that I know who knew this about me, of course, I felt most comfortable with them because I could be most vulnerable because they knew my secret, my disability or whatever, right? And when you have something that you can't see, and that's what Jeslyn was saying as well, when you have something you can't see, it's really tough. People don't understand it. They, they, they might question it, but also you can get away with not saying anything. You know, you also don't want to be felt disabled. So like 
that was bad English, sorry. Um, you don't want to feel disabled, so you don't want friends to be like, are you all right? Are you, I got, because after a while, after 20 years of having mm. it, you just want to be like, dude, Here, I let will me carry ask- that bag 10 feet for you. Yeah. Right. Now, most no of my friends who've known me this long, they know this already about me, and they automatically go here and they grab the basket for me. I'm also, I have no shame about saying, can you carry this? Like, my friends know, and they'll be like, no problem, because they know. So, for example, you'll never see me walk through a grocery store with a basket, ever to this day. It will always be a cart. I'm just not going to waste my arm usage for that, if that makes sense. So what's weird about having a disability is that over a certain period of time, things become programmed in that are somewhat almost innate. Like um, I have my, I just right now in front of Brad put my arm, my elbow on the table and I'm resting my palm, you know, like the thinker pose, right? That, that famous statue. You won't see me doing that watching TV or doing that anywhere for more than a second because my mind will automatically go, no, that's head pressure on the wrist, on Mm. the hand, move it. So you almost always see me sitting upright or back or with my arms in my hand and my lap. And I, I can talk with my hands now, but I actually at one point couldn't even talk with my hands and I had to have them a dead weight. Um, so, you know, so then many years later when I got hit with hyperthyroidism, like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Like, you got to be joking. But here's the thing. Both negative, shitty, seemingly awful things were gifts wrapped in shit. One of them led to me basically winning the insurance lottery, which enabled me to then pursue my dream of using my voice. And here we are. Okay. And that's still going, right? So you had a settlement for all this workers comp and being regarded as disabled or something. Yeah, no, it's, it's private long-term disability. So it's not like state tax stuff. It's just the private plan. Thank Uh God my company had it. You know what I mean? And so there's that that was able to subsist me to enable to just like get better, not have to injure myself. And it's another reason why I am dedicated exercise, oxygenating the blood and moving, especially swimming really helps with less flare ups. So when you're more sedentary, then and more more sensitive to get flared up more. Interesting. So that's wow. a that's a total thing. But um, what, uh, my so then the second bout. So then oh my god, I get hit with hypothyroidism. Well, yeah, that sucked. It ruined some years of my life. But here's the thing: it also then coincided with a career of mine as a writer. How can I deny that both of these seemingly negative, awful, why would this happen to me, on the other end of them were actually major gifts I would not go back in time and change. While I would like full use of my arms, I don't know that I would go back and change what I learned and how that humbled me. I also look at disabled people way different than anyone else does. I have a different level of compassion for disability. Um, And again, because you look at me and no one would ever guess that I'm disabled. They just wouldn't even, and I wouldn't even, I don't like have, I don't, I can walk. I don't have a disabled like parking decal. I'm not, you know, I mean, obviously I can walk or I do everything, but I technically am. And so, you know, it's, um, it's, a, it's, it's a, it was a weird dance all these years. You know, you, you get to a point where you hit a certain age and you start to care less about, you know, what anyone thinks of you, but also just owning it because in the owning of it and being vulnerable about it is when you draw in people that also can heal. I had such a healing conversation with Jeslyn. I feel connected to her more now because she understands what it's like to have a bad hand day. Do you know what I mean? I, I'm doing my, this woman's summit, um, riseupkickass.com, a uh, bunch of videos and stuff with awesome speakers with this uh, co-host Karen Martell, another podcaster who I've met a million podcasters like you, but I had a vibe about her and I was like, oh, no, I want to work with her. I want to do something with her. I like her, you know? And then it turns out we're talking about her stories and she asked me a question and, you know, I just told her the story about how I got disabled. And her response was, that is my story too. 
I was a rolfer for 15 years and ruined my hands doing that body work. And that's Beware. why I do. Yes. Tough yes. job. That's why. You ever I'm, been rolfed? It's a lot of work for the therapist. I don't know how they do it. Yeah. Um, your hands are, you never realize you need them for everything. I at one point couldn't brush my hands through my hair because it would have been a waste of emotion. Now I can do that, but I'm, but I also mm-hmm. can't drive six hours a day for several days. My hands in the position of the car. I'm not going to drive stick shift either. Right? Like my whole life is adjusted and I'm not, don't have to be as conscious about it now. Now it's have become innate, but at first it was at the very beginning was turning the key in the door and not using the wrist and turning it with the whole arm. I mean, everything had to be, I couldn't hold a pan in my hand. I'd have to have my friends carry my groceries home. So I would wear a backpack everywhere because I'd only, I could only have even weight. You know, I couldn't, it was just, um, you'll still, to this day, I would never just carry a tote. You won't even see me take a long beach walk with the Starbucks cup in my hand because I won't hold that cup in my hand for that long because, see, I innately know that that's a waste of the use of the energy of my hand. So it becomes uh, a really interesting thing, but it also, um, I'm just here to tell you that, you know, Gifts come, gifts come wrapped in poop sometimes, and you, there's, there's good stuff to be had out of it. And if you've gotten disabled in some way, there's something else for you. There's something else for you. Wow. You know? Powerful. I mean, that's, that's, you know, we're getting toward the secret to life on the podcast with that type of attitude and mindset. It reminds me of, I recently attended a, or presented to at a leadership retreat by this guy, Dave Rossi in the Bay Area, just getting going. Wonderful, uh, wonderful experience. And he was processing me about uh, whatever my career goals and, and d- decisions and crossroads. And he said, uh, well, how many times have you failed in your life? What have you really failed at? And, you know, I'm about ready to kick into response. Well, you know, when I was a triathlete and I didn't win, I, I got third and then I, uh, this happened. And, and then I, I had a bunch of stock in a dot-com and then it crashed before the, it, but if you are in the right space, you go look back and just, just the story that you just conveyed, um, it's, you know, the, there's, there's no failure involved there. And it's, it's just kind of led you on your path. True gifts, really. They, right. they were get, like getting disabled is a gift. How, why would I say that? Right? Like, why does anyone say that? Why does someone survive breast cancer and go, that was the best thing that ever happened to me? Because through that pain, through that awful tragedy, they find out who their friends are. They mm. connect with loved ones. They right. There's, yeah. And yeah. now, is this is this on your uh, your your dating profile front and center? Like, hey, dude, guess what? <laughs> my, my arms are fine. <laughs> just up. it's just FYI. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I like when you said it, you attract those type of people that belong in your life and will be truly supportive and true friends. And I would also speculate right. that you probably repel the people that you don't need in your life anyway, such as an employer or someone that you're associating with that's going to uh, be chapped by the fact that you're not 100% with the full package day and night sort of thing. Yeah, well, you know, and it's it's weird because to me it was almost like not worried about getting, like it wasn't worried about getting rejected or having people think less of me. It was just my pride. I was too wow. embarrassed to admit that I had dependence on an insurance company for income that I, right? I mean, imagine I was 23 about to make 400,000. Like I, that just seemed insane to me that all of a sudden I was relegated down to, right? Like a, like an eighth of that, right? So, so oh, I was caught off guard with that. Mm. And that really so hurt your my identity pride was, and my ego because my right. identity was, I'm going to go make a million bucks by the time I, and I was on my way to do it and I was right. killing it. Right. And then, you know, life, here's the thing though, this is what I'm going to tell you. 
it's been 20 something years since I got injured. And most people my age now have the houses and the cars and the 401ks and maybe all the stuff that I couldn't. Cause listen, you know, it's really, uh, for the longest time, my mother had to still co-sign car payments for me because you get paid disability. They're like, that's not a real job like that. And you're like, Oh Jesus. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough all around. Um, but I don't know. I mean, as you, as you go down this road, I just think owning in anything that you're ashamed about, I mean, the lesson about at least my disability with my hands for sure is appreciate your hands, take care of them. Yes. Ergonomically get your situation together, right? If your arms start hurting at work, don't cut the tennis games out on the weekend and heal it. Don't keep pushing it because you push it as far as I did and it'll become permanent, you know? And, um, when you're dealing with an injury of the arm, again, you can't go through life without using your arms. You use it for everything. You open the door, you close the door, everything. You wipe yourself, you dress yourself. So, gosh, take care of your arms and appreciate your limbs. I mean, um, I guess well, you could fill in the blank with something else too. I, I come from the triathlon community and many of my peers from the old days in, in cycling and triathlon and the extreme endurance sports, uh, a great many of them have come up with heart problems in their yeah. later decades. And it's now being you know strongly associated with that extreme pattern of uh, overtraining where we thought we were you know the pictures of health and fitness at the time that we were you know a, a good looking physical package that could get on a bicycle and pedal for hours and hours at a high heart rate and peg that heart rate and force it to work because you're always forcing your heart to work your heart has no choice your brain or your your legs are telling the heart to beat this many beats but uh, you know now. Uh, blowing those, frying those circuits out and having that, you know, lifelong debilitating condition. Um, it, it's nice advice to, to heed for anyone. And I, I want to know, like you, you mentioned this a little bit where you were grinding at that workplace, probably working a lot of hours and going at that high intensity level. Yep. Do you feel like that is a, was a contributory effect to something going wrong with your immune function or your autoimmune condition? Or, <laughs> It, well, it's not an autoimmune condition. It's just tendonitis. It's a repetitive strain injury. So you feel like you directly contracted that from doing oh, excessive absolutely. typing and yeah. hunched over or whatever bad ergonomics. Exactly. exactly. Terrible economics. I, I type a million miles an hour and I could do a million things at once. And yes, I was you can. You yes. know how fast I can go. So imagine, so, and then also I'm like the top most successful person there. So I'm really busy, but I'm nonstop. But it really was all of the arms. And then actually, I'll have to ask Dr. Forsman about this again. I didn't tell Dr. Forsman about my disability because I just didn't think it was applicable to the rest of my health, really, which sounds kind of dumb, I guess. But when I finally brought it up to him, he goes, oh, wait, hold on a second. And he went and looked at some genetic tests he took. And he said, oh, this makes sense. This here and this here means you might have been kind of primed to be in a situation where, and I was like, wait, what? And so that was kind of interesting to see that there might, not like a genetic predisposition to tendonitis, no one has that, but there was some kind of connection he was making about something with inflammation. But um, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, such, it's such a trip to be in that situation and also to be in a situation where, I don't know. I guess you have to moderate. Yeah, it's just interesting to have this backdrop in my head of knowing that, yeah, it's just become comfortable over 20 years. Sorry, I'm just like rambling on. Um, back in the day when I was working at the company, it was like the, the desk height was too, I'm short. 
So like the ergonomics were really off. Like I'm five two, so the desk was too high. Then my feet wouldn't touch the ground. And then like you know what I mean. And it was the weird old computers and the mouse. And the mouse is the worst. And and so um, and this archaic you know <laughs> MS DOS or whatever Windows NT it's at some point. But so it was just a lot of like hand stuff. You're taking hand notes. Then you're also on the phone. We didn't have headsets right away. So then the phones creaked up on your neck. You know, there's all sorts of just bad. If you stop motion captured my day, it would look like a crazy monkey arms person at like you know those arms of the outside of car dealership with the winds blowing you know like your arms are moving nonstop all day so I don't know if I had taken it any slower or not there were other people that got injured at that time at the tech boom everyone was getting carpal tunnel you know the thing is carpal tunnel is operable mine isn't mm. so you know it wasn't just me I saw people all around me getting injured and then not only that people in physical therapy with me there was a woman who was in there who got what I had by corking 200 bottles of fine wine a night at a restaurant I had a woman in there who worked in an insane asylum and she got pushed by a crazy person and like it jammed her hand and she had her hand injured. A stewardess had a cart come at her and it caught her hand in the right way. I mean, like, it's just the most weird things that happen to you in life. So mine wasn't a freak accident. It was a, oh my God, I just got this, I got injured working. And now today, it's years later, and it still seems like you have this governor uh, of your energy output mm-hmm. and your uh, tendency toward anything repetitive. So you have sort of this built-in regulator to keep your totally. life in balance and to put it in a positive spin. Yeah, totally. Um, and again, it's just, for example, um, my, I'm right-hand dominant. So if I'm on a plane, I would choose the left side of the plane and a window so that if I wanted to sleep or close my eye, I'd be leaning to my left. If I'm sitting with you, like I'm sitting with you right now, you're on my left. That's where I prefer to be because it's easier to turn my head to the left than it is to the right. So I will just do things like that. I'm sitting somewhere at the restaurant. I'd be like, do you mind if you sit here? If you're walking with me on a hike, I would like to always be on your right usually so that if I turn my head, it's that way. So it just, you become programmed over time. And this, again, like this governor where you know you know, and then with, with regular massages, and again, like that's an expensive, non-covered protocol, but you have to keep, the, when you have an injury like this, you have to keep athletic and you have, because that's my personal, that's my physical therapy, is, is how and the way that I exercise, you know. So let me ask you this, why does it take a, such a tragic disruptive event to get to this place? And how can the listener who, uh, everyone's got something going on. Uh, my, one of my favorite quotes from Lance Armstrong, when I asked him, uh, I asked him about his cancer ordeal. This is before all the drama of recent years. And, and previously, in case you forgot, he was uh, a cancer survivor that did his heroic comeback and had a great attitude and all that. So I said, you know, did, did your cancer ordeal help change your perspective and give you a greater appreciation or for daily life, you know, having been to hell and back? And he said, oh, you know, everyone's been to hell and back one way or the other. And it, it really stopped me in my tracks there because we're thinking of the most dramatic stories like, oh, did you hear about El Russ? She, she has really bad hands or uh, the, the girl got her... Actually, they're great hands. I mean, just, they're they're, not she's a hungry. hand model as well in her <laughs> yeah, spare exactly. time. As long as they keep the hands still. It's not video. It's right. still photography for the uh, the ring commercial. Yeah. Uh, or Bethany got you know a shark attack. And these are the extreme examples, but everyone's had something like that. Well, and you know, let's look at Bethany Hamilton for a second. We can't say what would have been had she not lost her hand. But her level of monetary success and level of celebrity in this world 
And I mean celebrity in the positive way of just so well-known and touched Platform to motivate and inspire others. She has helped so many amputee victims around the world. She has done so much good work. I'm not sure that if she were just a pro surfer that hadn't had that happen to her, but she was a pro surfer that lost her arm and got back on the horse. Quick, name a female pro surfer. Uh, Bethany Hamilton, uh, Frida Zamba used to be world champion many years ago. There's two, uh, but you get the point, right? Right. Right. And, and all the good she's done in the world. So again, it's like, and also too, you know, it's a really sweet part of the film. It's a sad part of the film, but it's great because now the film, you know, was when she was young and now she's older in the film. She's kind of crying to her mom a little bit and she's like, who's going to love me? You know, right. She's got a missing arm. She's like, who's going to love me? Well, if you look on Bethany's Instagram, she's got a really cute husband and two kids. And, you know, I think she found someone to love her, you know. So these are, they're really challenging times. I think she really stepped up and made the most of it. And so that's kind of an inspiration for me. And I guess when I'm feeling, you know, listen, I always get it back. Whenever I'm feeling victimy about, like, if I'm having a flare-up and I'm feeling like, ah, my arms. I'll always get some sign from somewhere. Like, I was driving in L.A., and I was having a pity party because I was having a flare-up in my wrist. And I, I thought, you know, I just hate this. I hate being, I hate having this. And then I drove by a coffee bean, and there was a dude outside drinking coffee with one arm. And I was like, damn, I can't even have one moment of being a victim. So, again. Someone's trying to get you religious. Right. They're, they're putting these yeah, signs up. Totally. And, um, but you got to take those signs. Like, again, like, I'm having a pity party, but at least I have my arms. And then if you only have one arm, at least I have the other. And if you have no arms, at least I have my Frickin' legs. And you can just keep going from there, but there's always a place, you know? And so um, it's, a, it's a humbling experience. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for it. And also, too, you know, it's just, it, it was a gift. Dang, I love that term, victimy. V I C T I M Y. Vic Timmy, your two little friends that you want to go away or, or, or banish. Uh, but I, I think we, we can all relate where we just we, we turn that corner with our mindset and, and start to complain. And um, to be fair, sometimes that happens when you have an overly stressful lifestyle. You haven't taken care of yourself. You haven't swum enough as you should have been because you've been dealing with uh, stress and problems. And then you start to crack and start to go down that, that, that pity lane. So I, I like the concept of, at least in my own life, I'm trying to get over myself, of course. And, oh, I had to get over myself, right? right? I can only imagine how right. much I had to get over myself. I mean, ugh, it's, you know, just the whole years of <laughs> getting over myself. But, but getting that perspective it. and that perspective that you got looking by the coffee bean and seeing the person and going, oh, okay, instant recalibration. And if you can do that, especially when you're down, uh, sometimes that's when the magic happens. Remember John Cusack in the Tape Heads movie where mm-hmm. their business was falling apart and life was falling apart. And he said, well, I guess we should just dance on the roof all night. And it was a silly scene from a movie, but it had, I still remember it. It had great significance to me because like, if you can do that and, and go figure out a way to have a good time or blow off some steam, if, if your business is falling apart, take a vacation. It could be a path to enlightenment and altering that perspective where everything else starts to follow down, downstream. Yeah, absolutely. And just knowing too, you know, I mean, ah, you, you, even if you, if you're, even if life takes you down, you just, you pull your stuff up by one bootstrap, you do one thing towards one thing towards one thing leads to another. And then you end up, you know, meeting a Mark Sisson and having someone give you the gift of something you've been preparing for, for so many years, really. Um, and again, just having, having that platform. So I, 
I would never take it back for the world. The the second time around with the hypothyroidism, because those are the two main events in my life of getting hit with a health thing, with the hypothyroidism. You'd I'm, take that one back? Yeah, no, actually, I wouldn't. You could stuff that. <laughs> yeah, all of it can F off, but no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take it back. Uh, but I knew then, I had the knowing of going, all right, well, the arms thing was really bad years ago, and that ended up turning out to be actually positive. So, oh, I'm a strong person. I forgot. Let's take this shit off. Or on. not even a Love strong that. person, just stuff actually works out sometimes this could be a how about i just focused on the fact that i'm like this is going to be a gift and i remember being like this better be a good one this better be effing good i didn't go through all this shit to get and then again get hit with some other health thing now it's a thyroid thing i had an arm thing are you kidding me and i was always a person that had great stories about my health great genetics my Mm. family had great stories no one was a hypochondriac if anything it was embedded into me like you're fine you have great genetics you're gonna live forever i never had a health story that was weird so the fact that i attracted to kind of health things was like what is going on um but clearly i was led down this road for a reason and it doesn't about it's not god or whatever it could be co-creation it doesn't matter what it is that you think but the second time around even though it was brutal i still was like holding out for the fact that, okay, this just could be another really rough contrasting time in life that ends up being really good. And it did. Cause had I not gone through that, how would I've ever been able to even pitch a book to Mark? You know, um, I, I, how I, I wouldn't have even been comfortable enough to pitch a book to be a writer had I not done sketch comedy and all the other stuff. Um, so, so again, one thing leads to another, but it's never the end of the line for you. There's always something. Because listen, my life looked over at that point. I'm 23 disabled for life. It, it was like, okay, this is, what what, what the F now? How can I find a plate worth in this world? You know, I can't just sit around for the rest of my life and eat bonbons. I mean, I could technically, but really? But I'll say this, you know, people that have the house and the portion, all the stuff I would have had, they are now in their lives going, what was it all for and what am I going to do now and what did I offer? What did I contribute and what is my passion? So I was actually really lucky to get smacked those golden handcuffs off my wrist by the universe Mm. because I was forced to follow my passion. No one's forced to follow acting in a voiceover career. Usually that's a choice. I didn't have a choice. I was like, I got... Because listen, I would have fallen back a million times if I had, if I didn't have my arms injured, I would have been right back in the corporate world probably a million times throughout the journey of pursuing a creative career. I would have absolutely been like, forget it. It's not worth it. I want the money. But what I real realize now is my experiences over the 20 years that I've had in the creative field and and also in this industry, I could die tomorrow. I feel so they're such great. I still. My face still hurts laughing, thinking about sketches that were pitched by people that never got into a show. I'm still laughing about podcasts united. I'm still so grateful for looking at my book cover. All the things that I've been able to do are so much more gratifying and fulfilling than me staying at that job with the house and the Porsche at this age. So I wouldn't take it back because the lives are better even though my arms are injured. Does that make sense? Oh, sure. Right. Way better. So how did you contract this hypothyroidism? What do you think's going on after you've been through the fires now and analyzed every little factor and variable? Um, it was really chronic cardio uh, along oh. with a low-fat, low fat, low-carb combination like stupid uh, modification of zone, eat every two, three hours, total carbohydrate-dependent binger. Um, I think I suspect that there might have been stuff in teenage years, like where maybe there was hypo, like, you know, I can't tell. There's some years where like, was that puberty and eating too much cheese and bread in the eighties? Or was that, you know, I, um, 
So I suspect there might have always been a little something. Um, could have been a selenium deficiency, which I found out later I had. Could be high mercury, which I literally just found out this year and had a silver filling left in my mouth, and that affects a conversion and also thyroid. Um, stress, perhaps. Um, Louise Hay has a book called You Can Heal Your Life where she aligns physical issues with mental issues of people she has counseled throughout the years, and hypothyroidism is linked with not speaking up or not expressing oneself creatively. And if I look back, so I'm not, obviously you hear me now, I've always spoken up. I have always been outspoken. However, I wasn't in my romantic life, probably because of my disability. So when I look back on when I got hypothyroidism, I was in a relationship with a very moody, heavy drinker kind of, who was not abusive or moody in that way towards me, just moody. And you had to walk around eggshells on the person. And like, I felt choked up anytime anyone feels choked up in the throat. That's a sign of you've got to work on speaking up in some way. So I was in this romantic relationship where it's began, and so that's when I got it. Now, probably that combined with a bunch of stuff, you know, it could have been the birth control pill. It could have been, it could have been a bunch of stuff, but it's interesting that that was a connection because I really had that lump in my throat. And oftentimes the lump in my throat in relationships would come from feeling weird about revealing my disability to a romantic situation where I love the person because I felt like that would be extra high stakes and they might reject me or I'd be afraid of the reaction. But then the problem there is then I wouldn't kind of say stuff for a while and then it kind of like, hey, six months goes by, when are you going to, and then it feels weird because then you're revealing, it's just, it's just, it's a weird thing to hide because then when people find out, they're like, why did you even care, right? But so, so I think that was part of me being choked up in relationships too, uh, sometimes is maybe not wanting to admit, like being like, do I trust this person with telling them about my story? Um, so it could have been a lot of stuff, but basically if I look at my lifestyle, it was chronic cardio nightmare. It really was. And I'm sure the adrenals got thrown off along with just really bad dieting. And had I caught it and known how to naturally turn it around at the time, I'm sure I would have been able to do it. Maybe. We don't know. Who can say? But I didn't, and there wasn't this information out there. So Maybe the chronic cardio is associated with not speaking up and walking on eggshells in your relationship. No kidding. What do you mean? I mean, you're blowing off the steam in another oh, way right, to the saying. to the excess because you're not in a balanced situation where you're 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 feeling whole and comfortable and so so there's you know an excess of energy that you're 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 going out and blowing off excess energy rather than appropriate energy as a as a fitness protocol. It could have been. It also was like that's just what we thought you had to do. We were like, I just thought you I had to be an athlete every day. I would go on an hour hike, then swim thirty five laps, then go to the gym. Almost every day. Like it's a lot, but also totally car dependent, totally binging, totally having the drops, totally waiting all day to eat, but freaking out in the brain because didn't understand. Um, so when I look back, I'm just like, oh man, and you couldn't even Google paleo then. There was no information out there mm-hmm. for me to find. So you couldn't uh, Google a case against cardio by Mark Sisson published no. in 2006. Why which, grains are healthy by Mark right, Sisson. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I think I'm relating to this myself because why would anyone in their right mind get into a chronic cardio pattern? And there's a cause, there's a driving force that transcends logic and reason and sensibility because no one is born to want to suffer to the point of exhaustion and crash and burn energy system. And I think in my case, I was a competitor, right? So I was like measuring and judging myself by how I performed in the race and my self-esteem was attached to the outcome of what I was doing. So every day when I woke up, you know, I made an informed decision to go beyond what my brain was really telling me was smart and sensible because I thought that was the path to to the victory and the top spot on the podium. And 
Mark says the same thing. We didn't know back in in the forty years ago that that running too many miles was actually going to make you a slower marathon runner. Everyone thought it was, what's your weekly mileage? Oh, I'm getting up to right. 70 and I hope to get up to 90 next month so I can really uh, be the best I can be. And so that awakening, it, it, it feels so ridiculous to look back and think about what you did in that workplace or what you did with your chronic cardio patterns when um, the little voice inside you knew the whole time. Well, you, it's kind of chronic everything, up. isn't it? It's yeah. chronic movement. It's chronic cardio. It's whatever's chronic, right? Whatever you're doing too much of humans, we are not meant to use our tiny little muscles in our hands like that eight hours a day, right? We are not meant to. Um, we're also not meant to eat grains. You know, like there's just certain things. There's not, I mean, you can and you could and you can, but do you want to and should you long-term know on any of this stuff? Yeah. Right? You can have a cardio day and go overboard or something and whatever. Sure. It's not going to kill you. Yeah. But it's the chronic stuff. So. You know, I just, I was in that whole zone, like you're supposed to, I was totally bought into the whole keep insulin steady. And, you know, that makes you a carb addict. And then you're a sugar burner. And when you're a sugar burner, now you're in bad choices. And now you're binging and now you're starving. And now you have to do chronic cardio because you're screwed. To burn off the calories yeah, otherwise. Man, like, totally it's, a, it's a vicious cycle. Terrible. It really is. Yeah. And it's so much more work and it's so much harder and it's so much more stressful than, it's such a level of stress. But again, I was... um yeah, I just was like, this is how you do it. This is, because uh, it makes it's sense. what everyone's saying. It's, it's exactly like how Dr. Forsman talks about, look, if you're on the plane and you're a sugar burner, you've got a five-hour flight and you're having to drop hour three and a half and someone hands you a couple Pringles and you wake up a little bit, then you have that connection of, oh, I was sleepy, I ate, and then I woke up again, right? You know what I mean? Oh yeah. my gosh. I mean, Dr. Kate Shanahan talks about this where the sugar ingestion wires your pleasure center in your brain and the neural mediation of food reward, she calls it, to the extent that if you're, you're like the rat in the, in the cage where you, you press on the, the cocaine lever. Cocaine and, lever, yeah. Right. So uh, it's, it's literally happening to us and we're wiring our brains to associate uh, sugar ingestion, especially sugar, because it gives you the quickest hit, right? I right. mean, a, a sweet potato is also going to be converted into glucose, but it's going to be a slower burn. But that sugar ingestion is associated with pleasure at the same level or the same intensity as the hard drugs, the, the serious stuff. And so to, to like recognize than, that. It's just like crack, man. I was such oh, a. Oh, so you can compare? You have a comparative uh, I, example? Well, I don't. I, don't <laughs> I, Sorry. Just, I never did crack. I, just I assume it's I as did. bad as crack. <laughs> it's. Um, you know, you probably won't end up in an alley because you ate a box of donuts. I'm pleased to present B-Rad grass-fed whey protein isolate superfuel, the absolute highest quality all-natural protein supplement infused with creatine that delivers everything you need to optimize your appetite for fat loss, recover quickly from workouts, and build and maintain lean muscle mass, the single most important attribute for aging gracefully. Our protein comes directly from small family farms in America's dairy land of Wisconsin. It's cold processed and micro filtered for maximum bioavailability and digestibility. So please don't mess with the many cheap commodity protein supplements that are ineffective, inferior, less pure, and often contain junk sweeteners, especially the plant-based offerings that are vastly less bioavailable than the gold standard of protein supplements that's whey protein isolate. Whether you're in your peak athletic years looking to grow and recover or in the older age groups trying to delay aging and decline, whey and creatine 
are widely agreed to be the most critical and effective supplements to take for the rest of your life. You can easily stir the super fuel in water or make a delicious smoothie every day. I'm certain that you're going to love the pleasant, light, natural vanilla bean and cocoa bean flavors. So try some on Amazon today. It's a huge hit with dozens of five-star reviews. Or you can order direct from bradnutrition.com with our buy three, get one free, and make the super fuel a centerpiece of your daily routine. Greetings, my fitness-minded listeners. I want to acquaint you with the Primal Fitness Expert Certification Program, the most comprehensive home study multimedia fitness education course in the world. If you want to enhance your personal knowledge of all aspects of leading a healthy, active, fit lifestyle, this total immersion course will be life-changing. I'm the lead instructor and author of the course, and we have 14 chapters of extensive written content with over 100 accompanying videos covering topics such as general everyday movement, including micro-workouts and dynamic workstation tips, the full experience of gym-based strength training and all the different modalities, a complete presentation on all aspects of sprinting, both running and low-impact options, an assortment of high-intensity interval training and high-intensity repeat training strategies, a detailed education on the principles and practical application of aerobic endurance training, and extensive commentary, the most you will find in any publication, on all aspects and symptoms of overtraining and burnout. We even have fascinating peripheral topics like integrating nasal diaphragmatic breathing, dynamic stretching, injury prevention, and developing a peak performance mindset. It's really something, this course. We went all out for over two years with a great team to develop this amazing home-based fitness education for you. And you get one-on-one expert email support and private Facebook group connection throughout your studies to ensure that you absorb everything optimally and you pass your series of exams and get certified. So go to primalhealthcoach.com slash Brad to enjoy a very special limited time. And I'm not kidding. This is a big time discount just for you. 25% off your tuition. A fantastic premium offer at primalhealthcoach.com slash Brad for the most comprehensive fitness course you can ever find. Because you're doing too many Probably triathlons on your schedule. However, that said, <laughs> that said, uh, here's the thing though. So not only do you have to then do the cardio and then you're depleting the glucose and now you've got to replace it and now you're on this hamster wheel, but then because of what that's doing to your gut and your brain, now now you're getting into the fact where you've now forcibly made yourself that addict because now your gut and your brain and your muscles and everything need and have to have that drug. Um, so it's sealing it. It's sealing the deal in even further with every, and, and, and so what's messed up is that all it does lead to is metabolic effery in the most variety of ways, whether it's thyroid, cortisol being antagonistic to the blood sugar, the testosterone, whatever it is, stuff's going to get out of balance if you're on that program. It just is a domino effect. It'll eventually lead. It, it just eventually it's, leads you nowhere. And you'll hit your weak spot and, and maybe the weaker, less fortunate people will have a more severe reaction to that uh, grain-based diet. But I think 
finally we're getting to this point. A decade ago when we were talking and I just listened to the very first podcast for some reason it came up because you push the button and it sorts backwards. So I listened to the very first Primal Blueprint podcast with Mark talking about how um, we need to get more sleep and we need to make make our evenings dark and and we're not supposed to eat grains and sugars. And it was like, he's like arguing his case back then and just presenting this simple insight that's going to be picked apart by most people, including our wonderful uh, medical community and the bastions of health, like the, uh, the the government and and you know the Harvard uh, newsletter that's talking about how the the whole grain crackers are so much better than the uh, than the, than the, the usual saltines and all these things. So we've come a long way, but it seems like we still might have a, a much longer way to go because people are still kind of straddling this line where hey everything in moderation you know i like to enjoy my life too so i like to get a hot fudge sunday uh three nights a week and these kind of things where we're forgetting about the addictive properties and the fact that we might be talking 20 years from now when you're really messed up and are paying the price just like the old time triathletes where we bashed our brains out every day and it was you know a real rush and a real kick to go fly around the world and get on the starting line but now in reflection you're paying the price for that yeah, I mean, like you said, your old buddies with their pacemakers or or even Mark with his issues that developed later on in life. I mean, um, I feel like the one benefit, no matter what, across the board is not being a food addict anymore, not thinking mm. and stressing and thinking about food all the time. It is such an effing distraction. It is such a distraction to your day when you are dying to eat and waiting to eat and going to the fridge every two minutes. Oh my God, it's horrible. And you know, usually that does come with something like candida or poor gut health. That's the other thing too I wanted to mention. So on this carbohydrate train with the sugar, so eventually that's going to F up your gut health, which is going to lead to like an overgrowth. And then that state of candida not only mimics hypothyroid system symptoms and things like brain fog and other stuff, but then it's also making you crave more of the thing because you're feeding it. I mean, right? It's like, it's Oof. like just feeding a demon. It's just like, you, you just you have to cut it off at some point and go the other direction. But the biggest benefit, aside from health and anti-inflammatory, is really the fact that I don't give an F about food, which mm. sounds crazy for me to even say that. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I like it when I like it, and I'm excited to eat when I eat, but I don't even think about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, at all, really. And it's such, it's a freedom. It's every Mark's Daily Apple success story. It's always the one thing they throw in there. Right. Like, they throw glad I lost there, 100 huh? pounds, glad I cured the skin disease, but thank God I'm not a food addict anymore. I'm not obsessed about it anymore. And anyone who knows that, it doesn't matter if you're 400 pounds and you're a food addict or you're 120 pounds. It's the same hell. It's the same hell, man. And so, like, that, that says everything because food addict or not is the difference between carbohydrate dependent and not. End of story. Uh, how are you doing? Let's see if you can fast in the morning until yeah. a certain time, feeling comfortable with perfect cognitive function, no moodiness, no hunger pangs. And if you can't, it's a good indication of carb dependency. We talk about this in the keto reset diet. This is your this is your litmus test is can you live without food? And you should be able to. And I'm not talking right. about listening to a podcast and waking up tomorrow and saying, I'm going to fast because it's super healthy and you have a, a increased autophagy, the cellular detoxification. It's like being able to as a natural course of the day, which is a huge difference from struggling and suffering and doing your 21-day detox, you know, and thinking that uh, you're going to just force your way through this thing in the name of health. That usually sets you back because you have a binge and a rebound effect when you're, when you're not truly fat adapted and you're trying this fun stuff that we're talking about. Yeah, and on that note, so right now as we're speaking, it's 5 o'clock California time. At 12, I had some dark meat and white meat chicken off like a cooked chicken with half an avocado. 
And that's it. I'm totally brain on fire. I'm fine. It's been five hours. I don't even care. I could probably go 24 hours without food. I might eat a little something later, but I really don't give a shit. That's a whole weird place to be. It's awesome. It's not weird anymore. I'm just saying, but when you move, people out there listening who are like, that's crazy. But when you've got to that point and you realize you're there, my friend... My friend Karen called me the other day. I've gotten this call now. She's been paleo three years. The last person I thought would go primal. Uh, you've met her at Mark's house. And she, she called me the other day. She goes, I, can I just tell you I love being fat adapted? And then she goes to the whole story. My husband and I were going to walk, but then we're this. And we were far away from lunch. And so we just had a scoop of fat. And, and, and they're just the freedom. It's like the freedom of not going, oh, my God, i got to eat right now. Or I'm going to murder somebody. Like, I am going to go blow up at somebody and I'm aggravated and I'm, 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 I drop my keys and I'm throwing across the room because I'm having a goddamn sugar meltdown. I'm having a glucose depleted meltdown. It's the worst feeling in the world. And so I love the steadiness of being fat adapted and also the idea that I know I'm safe right now. Like if there wasn't food, now granted, we have so much food in this world, right? <laughs> safe. You're going to be good. Yeah. I'm going to be good. Sure. But I could. Like if we got stranded and all the food went away right. tomorrow, I'd be doing fine. You have some candles for the earthquake. You have some spare <laughs> right. batteries and you don't have any food because you don't need it. <laughs> you exactly don't. I'm guessing that you're, you you got onto this thread because uh, he, as part of healing your thyroid, this was a critical component was to get fat adapted rather than chronic cardio and carb addict. It totally is because of the way it's antagonistic to the adrenals and adrenals are related to thyroid and every other hormonal system in the body. And the thyroid is the master gland in charge of all of your sex hormones. So again, you just don't want any messages that are being sent to the thyroid that are antagonistic. And for anyone that's interested, you do not even have to buy my book. You can go to my website, lrust.com. There is a free thyroid guide. It tells you every test you need to take, when to take it. Here's podcasts. Listen to me and Mark talk about it. Listen to me and Brad talk about it. Uh, here are some doctor resources, how to find doctors in your state or your country. So just go there and get on the right path. Um, because the path that most people are on are taking the wrong drugs and maybe having a very screwed up protocol. Very screwed up. And you suffered and struggled. Uninformed doctors, yeah. Uninformed right. doctors using 30 to 40 No offense to uninformed doctors, yeah. but if they're uninformed, they're uninformed. Yeah, if they're uninformed, they're probably not listening to podcasts like this. Well, it's, it's interesting because uh, the, the doctor is the highest level of authority automatically. And I come from a very medical family with father, sister, uncle, cousins, uh, other people working in the hospital, nurse, nurse practitioner, the whole thing, they're everywhere. And so, you know, much respect to the, the whole thing and what we they're doing, them. especially when I had my emergency appendectomy and oh, almost yeah. died. That surgeon's one of my favorite guys in the world, right? But the thing that bugs me and that I'll say on the show that my mom gets to transcribe and cringe if I'm <laughs> ripping on the medical thing, but um, if they're dispensing dietary advice and going outside of their lane, so to speak, where they may have not had any uh, exposure to uh, breakthrough nutritional insights, uh, but trying to cure and heal you with a drug regimen that is not addressing the cause, which might be dietary or exercise related, um, that's where I'm going to have some objection and in return encourage whoever's listening and whoever wants to listen uh, to take matters into your own hands and and go for those healthy lifestyle practices like increase your sleep and and do better at sleep uh, regardless of whatever the doctor's saying and whatever meds you're taking. You can do all these other things around the side that might even have a greater impact than uh, you know the, the the narrow focus on the on the symptoms. You know, people get put on statins unnecessarily because when you're hypothyroid, your lipid panel gets screwed up because you have no metabolism, so you can't process the fat right. So then the doctor's like, "Ooh, you got to be careful there. Stop eating fat and let's get you uh, some statins." All right, check the thyroid. You're an uninformed doctor. 
Here's another one. Oh, you have high blood pressure. We need to put you on a medication. Nope. Check the thyroid. Wrong. Once you clear the thyroid. Is it pressure. true that you trademark the term uninformed doctor? Or is that, <laughs> I, I, is that, was that just a rumor in Malibu? <laughs> they, yeah, that's definitely. I the Malibu Thousand Oaks Agoura Hills area. Well, what I like is rumor. when the cover was first made, she accidentally spelled it, which was awesome. It said uniform doctor. <laughs> <laughs> little typo from the designer. Yeah, a little typo from the designer. Um, <laughs> uniform like, doctor. Have a guy in a white like, coat yeah, with a, a big X through it. Oh, Stop my gosh. Stop putting your health in the hands of uniform, uniform doctors. doctors. <laughs> Go with the casual dressing golf guy because he's probably. Leaving a balanced life and, and good not nutrition. accepting money from Pfizer. Yeah. Um, the other one is uh, depression. So you can get put on Prozac at a work for a couple months and it ain't going to work because you never got to the fact that you got no T3 in your brain. There's more receptors there than anywhere else. Depression is treated with thyroid hormones. Again, when I was seriously hypothyroid back in the day before I got treated, my lipid panel looked like a nightmare. The doctor was like, You better stop eating meat, right? That was so hard. The moment I got on the right medication and the thyroid got fixed and you're not hypo anymore, the labs, and they've been normal ever since for like 13 years. Um, People get put on all sorts of drugs. You're not looking at the root. Every psychiatrist on planet Earth, no matter what, before prescribing anything to any patient should be checking the thyroid, period. I don't care if it's a multiple personality disorder, whatever, whatever it is, bipolar, whatever. It's usually, I mean, it really can be thyroid. I don't say usually. It's really likely thyroid. To not rule it out is borderline malpractice, in my opinion. Knowing that this is the master gland that contributes to fat metabolism, to heart rate, to temperature, to brain function, why would you not test that thing that matters before patching someone up with a statin or patching someone up over here with a birth control or patching someone? You see what I'm saying? You could do all the patches you want. I don't know if you've ever seen one of these old-ass quilts with like 100 patches, but that shit is all tangled up. <laughs> right, you don't want to be sleeping with that patch. No up thanks. And patches, <laughs> no. So, so it's just like you can patch it up everywhere, but it's just like patches. They usually don't match, not go together. Right, stuff's not gonna work. Out. <laughs> You're gonna have multiple this is side a terrible effects. Analogy going You're gonna be on. taking drugs for side effects of other drugs, right, which is right. not no. Right. I mean, you just keep patching upon patching. Listeners, you can now tell that Elle is a funny chick, and I, I I compliment her skills as a professional podcast host. We were talking offline, like she is so smooth in her so voice nice. and her line of questioning, and like listen to her interviews, and they're just top notch. But I'm like, you know, we got to get the funny L out here too. So that's why we're gonna, we're gonna keep patches, recording. Yeah. yeah, just keep talking about them patches. Patches is messed up. You can't be patching up. Can't be patching up, bitches. No, but I mean um, seriously, look in someone's yeah. medicine cabinet, and I might as well put a little sticky note that says "patching your ass off" because that's what's going on. <laughs> I mean, there's this patch. And to where, unwind this, that, this is needle tough. point needs to stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but it really does. You got to get back to basics, and honestly, thyroid is the one and only end all be all basic of it all. It's the master. So, life. Everything will domino effect, go wrong. You will get a disease you otherwise would not have gotten if you're in a hypothyroid state, period, end of story. That's why you slowly decline. That's why it's accelerated aging. That's why all of a sudden you're having miscarriages. All of a sudden this is happening. Oh my God, now my hair is falling. Oh, just keep going down the line and you can do anything to patch it. But again, for everyone out there, we talk about uninformed doctors because 60% of people are undiagnosed with hypothyroidism. 200 million people worldwide have it. 23 plus million Americans have it. And that's, again, if 60% are undiagnosed, we don't even know how many more are. 
the number one prescription. Wait, 23 the, million Americans are diagnosed are, are and de- 60% are undiagnosed. 23 million Americans are on thyroid hormones. Oh, like, mercy. Right, like for sure. And, and the number one prescription in the U.S. is Synthroid, which is not necessarily even the most optimal, but that's just one of the thyroid hormones that's out there as a prescription and it's number one in the U.S. So that says a lot about this epidemic. Don't listen to your doctor if you've been on thyroid hormone and they keep going, oh, you're fine, your thyroid's great, maybe we should put you on Prozac, you should work out more. No, 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 BS. And patients should step up. Don't do what I did and just sit back and go, okay, okay, I'll take this pill, I'll take this pill, okay. And then to realize two years later that that effer of a doctor didn't even test what he should have because he's steeped in 1973 outdated medical protocols with thyroid. Just go get, download my free ebook or buy the book Paleo Thyroid Solution. You can even go to Stop the Thyroid Madness website, one of the best websites in the world for thyroid health, um, and also a fellow author. Stop the what? Stop, stop the madness. Stop the thyroid madness.com. Oh. And Janie Botharp is a fellow thyroid author who saved my, helped save my life. And she uh, just has the best website for thyroid health. And so uh, I really trust her, and she's also one of the only other two thyroid books I recommend to anybody. Her book is called Stop the Thyroid Madness, a uh, website of the same name. And then the other one is specifically for people that have to go on T3 only, which is the last resort of thyroid hormone replacement. And that book is called Recovering with T3 by Paul Robinson. I also had him on the Primal Blueprint podcast for his first interview ever in the world. And it was so great to, I really had to convince him to come on, to be honest with you, but he also saved my life. So the best-selling thyroid books are written by patients for a reason. And the other two people I mentioned, Paul Robinson and Ginny Botharp also had to take matters into their own hands like I did. Um, For those of you who don't know, I got left in the dust by a bunch of doctors. So I had to dose myself back to health and be my own doctor. And that's why I ended up kind of becoming a mini expert in the field. So that's why you order drugs from Mexico. Because- <laughs> Not anymore. Now I'm yeah. legit. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> no okay, more yeah. black market. Yeah. Although that is where you have to go. And thank God we sure. can do that. No, now no kidding. You yeah. know, it's like, this is uh, where we have these constraints that are uh, many, yeah. many ways ridiculous, but there for a reason, but uh, taking matters into your own hands. I guess that was the real hook of your book. And the, the the passion that came out just in the conversation we just had. And I remember Mark and I, you know, we're uh, uh, novice publishers and looking at some of your drafts where you're slamming, you know, the medical community and we're worried like, oh, can you get sued for this? Are you allowed <laughs> to say doctors are uninformed? And uh, we, we had to like hash it back and forth, but, you but then know. you came back and you're like, no, 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 it's the truth. Like be right. sassy about it. You're like, just yeah. do it. Yeah. yeah. And it's true because- that's really the truth, guys. It's the truth. There's too many uninformed doctors out there. And I have the utmost respect for people that get their MDs. And I've been saved by doctors like you have, of course. But also, Western medicine is the third leading cause of death in our country, too. Ooh, that's brutal. So, I mean, you know. <laughs> Cancer, heart disease, and Western and, medicine protocols and such as doctors. drugs. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you got to look out. And that's why it's it's not take things in your own hand and go be on your own doctor. No one has to go Ben Greenfield their life and biohack and inject themselves. God bless. Just shout Props out. Props to, to him, Greenfield. though, man. <laughs> yeah, Props to that dude. We're giving a shout out, but seriously, no one has to get that crazy. But you do have to learn about this. And that's what I'm here to help everyone with, is to empower you with the knowledge that you need to know because you might know more than your doctor and you might be able to convince your doctor to practice medicine with you. Practice medicine. It's the practice of fucking medicine, right? So you don't stop when you graduate from medical school. So if you're informed and you're compliant and you're knowledgeable, you are out the other day, one of our mutual friends had to go to a doctor and she goes, I'm more nervous because she knew she needed T3. She knows doctors don't get it. She already felt very ego by this doctor. She's like, I'm worried about this conversation. What do I do? And it's like, 
our conversation was about how to diplomatically approach the doctor. You know, it's, it's, it's a weird thing, but if you do it in the right way, she had success and I knew she would because she's a very diplomatic person anyway. But if you approach it in the right way, you might get someone to practice with you, but not if you're just pointing to a book or shouting at them and some may never work with you and you have to leave and go through five more doctors to find one. But if you can't, that's why you have to arm yourself with the knowledge because you need to know what they're, look, I've had patients call me and go, I know that wasn't right. I'm like, you know, that wasn't right because they knew. So instead of just taking the pill and, and they called me and were like, that wasn't right. Was it? Exactly. It wasn't. So if they hadn't known that, or they hadn't heard a podcast from me or hadn't been my friend and known this, they would have just willy nilly blindly just taken what the doctor gave them. So the rule of thumb for anything in life. If you've been diagnosed with a damn disease, players, go learn about it. Learn as much as you can. You might know more than your doctor, and you might be able to guide your doctor to get what you want out of your biohacking. Sometimes you need a doctor. Sometimes you can't get certain prescriptions. Sometimes stuff cheaper when you get it with a prescription. So, you know, work with them. Use them to your best, but you bounce can. things off them that you come armed with. I have 14 questions for you. I hope you don't mind. You know, <laughs> right, for right, real. Right. Yeah. Some of that. And if they turn you away, no. Or you can say, hey, listen, you know, I've talked to a few people. I've done a lot of research. I'd like to try this. Let's do this for three weeks. I promise I'll come back and get tested in three weeks. Let's see where this goes. Like, if you show that to a doctor, then they're more likely to trust you, you and will maybe get the take utmost a risk. Care. You might. Right. However, unfortunately, it does require some finesse, and some doctors have horrible bedside manners and are just terrible, some of which I totally ripped on in my book. Um, I mean, like, literally, I had a doctor look at me and go, oh, this is too complicated. I mean. Wow. Brad, audience, please. You went to medical school and you did organic chemistry on the MCATs, and this is complicated when you've I'm been told sorry that by to bother MD. you with yeah. my life. Sorry to bother you with medical shit, you MD. Yeah, that's so, you know, it's a real burn when you get attitude like that from people you want to help you, but you just got to move on. You just got to move on, try to find the right one. And in the meantime, you educate yourself so that you can help yourself until you do find that doctor or so that you can help them help you. L. Russ. Franken, as expected. I knew we were going to have fun here. Uh, you're coming back on the show for sure. We're going to get, we're going to pick up where we left off and talk about uh, some of that fun stuff that we talk about before the mic is turned on, like when you got me cracking up about uh, <laughs> dating about and uh, uh, sexual mores and uh, concerns of the society today. Hilarious stuff. It's, it's deep inside this multi-talented woman. But tell me uh, before we go where you're headed with your your, your podcast ambitions and also your, uh, you're doing some filming and creating some coursework uh, around your paleothyroid solution message. Yeah, I'm going to do a paleothyroid solution web course, um, more detailed you know, videos and a comprehensive approach to the book that will include a copy of the audio book. And Brad Kearns will come on and talk about some paleo primal on there. But just to put together a comprehensive course, because there are so many protocols and things with regards to dosing and variables within this world that almost can't be covered in a book and or like Mark Sisson and his message to me, it really hit me when I watched Mark talk about it versus read his book. So, and I think people really resonate on a podcast too when they hear me. 
So to be able to go through a course and do modules where, you know, you can skip a repeat, but if you need 101 thyroid training or you need to skip to the reverse T3, T3 or whatever it is, I just wanted to provide a one-stop shop because one-on-one coaching at a certain point can only reach so many. And and as well, this is just the better deal financially to do it this way. So that, and then also um, I've got Rise Up Kick-Ass. Um, just go to the website. It's a women's empowerment project. Just myself and podcaster Karen Martell of KarenMartell.com. She's a paleo keto extraordinary meal planner and transformational health coach. And we interview a bunch of people, men and female, everything about orgasm. We have a woman on the 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 project who wrote a book about the female orgasm. And we've got a couple dudes on there, and we've got a comedian on there, and some law of attraction experts and money experts, and just. In this, you know, year of Me Too and women's empowerment, we were like, let's contribute. So that's a free online event, and you can just go there. And anyone can just go to lrust.com and see what I'm up to, other than the Primal Blueprint podcast, like you. I'm jumping in and going to do a separate one where maybe the topics can be a little bit broader uh, and the guests a little bit broader than what you and I do over with. Broader shoulders or broader... In there. How is about Interesting. The broad broad shoulders are sexy. Uh-oh. We're, I'm all about the broad we're, shoulders. We're teeing up the next show. Yeah. Thank you so much, El Russ. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you for listening. This is Brad Kearns. Have a great day. Hey, do you want to hear an advertisement? If I sing it, would that be a little more palatable? I know that we sometimes get annoyed listening to ads on podcasts. Go ahead and hit the plus 15 or the plus 30 second button if you don't want to hear this. But I've also been exposed to some cool products and services when I listen to ads on certain podcasts. So once in a while, or more than that, I'm going to talk about stuff that I really use and enjoy and completely support. No BS. I absolutely promise that to you. And here's one thing I'd like to talk about which are the awesome online multimedia educational courses that I created and host at Primal Blueprint. You can learn all about them, primalblueprint.com, and click on the Courses button, especially the brand new 21-Day Primal Reset. And this is kind of our entry point into turning around your diet and your lifestyle, getting healthy escaping from the disastrous condition of carbohydrate dependency that plagues us in modern life and becoming fat adapted, but you're led step by step with a series of videos every single day with objectives for 21 days to clean up your diet, ditch those bad foods, those grains, sugars, and refined vegetable oils, get your exercise programmed optimized, and believe me, it's not that difficult. It doesn't take that much time. A five-minute workout can deliver awesome benefits, and I'll also take you through all the complimentary lifestyle practices like getting your sleep habits dialed in. It's a lot of fun. I guide you every step of the way with great video content. That's just one of the courses. We also have the one for endurance athletes, all about the world's leading experts and everything from the Primal Endurance book brought to life. And of course, the Keto Reset, the New York Times bestselling book about going keto if you've already built some momentum with a low-carb diet. Just go over there and check it out. And because you're listening to this ad, I'm going to give you a super-duper top-secret 20% discount off of your enrollment on any of those courses, and that is the code Brad 20. Tell your friends, go for it. Make some changes in life. Do it the right way with complete guidance from me. If you're sick of my voice from the podcast, maybe it's time to switch over to video. 
Just visit the homepage at bradkearns.com, scroll through all that speed golf stuff, and you'll see wonderful presentations for all the video courses, including exciting trailer videos. You can click right over to the course, use that discount code BRAD20 for 20% off your enrollment. Thank you for listening to this lengthy ad, and I appreciate you listening to the show also. 